Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah. Well, my name is Derek, and I've um, talked to some of your groups before. And um, I think you guys might remember us from the Beach Conference, whoever went there. And then we came here quite a few times. But um, when your elder son, he actually asked you to come and speak. I was excited to see you guys again because, you know, I just know that you guys are a very important generation. I mean, right now, this is a time when things are pretty rough. You know, there's a lot of stuff that um, is difficult. Um, for example, I know you guys go to school and I know growing up in a Christian home, sometimes it's not easy because what you find is there are people that are surrounded by you that you go to school with that they don't even believe in Jesus. They don't like Jesus. How many of you have even had that experience in school before? None of you? All of you have Christian things? That's great. You know, but when I was coming up, um, I had a really difficult time in school because there were so many that I knew they didn't like Jesus. They used to mock us as kids when we were going back and forth to school and, you know, telling everyone about Jesus. And, you know, it just seems like everyone else was out partying, having fun, having a good time, and they didn't know Jesus. But, you know, it's so funny how when the Bible says, if you raise a child in the way he should go when he's old, he won't depart from it, you know? And uh, what happened to me was around the time I reached my I would say about 28, 29, I was on my way home, and a lot of the people that I grew up with, they weren't really um, what you would call believers, and a lot of them found themselves in trouble, and some of their lives were really messed up. So, you know, I just want to tell you guys that it's great that you guys are in the faith, that you have believing parents, that you are a part of your church, because, you know, when you learn about Jesus early in life, it really helps concerning, you know, living and, and moving forward, you know? So I think that that's a major plus to have Jesus and to have him work in our lives because the earlier you get into Jesus, the better off you are, okay? I know that there's a lot of music today. There's a lot of things that a lot of the younger generations get into. And, you know, if I could just tell you that a lot of that worldly stuff in music they're only meant to do one thing, and that's to take your eyes away from Jesus. that you guys might get into when you enjoy. Some of them are good, and they're funny, and they're entertaining, but you find a lot of them there that really want to take your time away from Jesus. So, you know, even at a very young age, you know, believe it or not, there's someone that's trying to get into your minds and keep you from believing in Christ and getting you to think a certain way that you won't like Jesus. You know, for example, um, I know you guys are in school, but how many of you have learned about evolution? You all learned, raise your hands if you learned about evolution in school. Okay, now you know that the story with evolution is, is that they believe that we came from 
you know, monkeys, right? A long time ago, and somehow we just came out of nowhere, and we're here. But you know, as Christians, we know that God made everything, Jesus Christ in particular, and that we're meant to be in the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. Well, one of the examples that I just wanted to use was the fact that you learn about evolution in school. These are things that try and convince you that there is no God. We know that growing up that Jesus Christ is true. We know that God did make everything. So these are some of the things that, you know, I want to um, address. I wanted to bring to you guys is attention that even at a very early age they're going to get you to think different than what the bible says and the things that jesus christ says so you know i just want to lay a little ground on how to draw closer to jesus i want to lay a little ground on how to seek god's face how to have a personal relationship because you see without a relationship with jesus christ there's going to be so many things that are going to take your faith away from him if you don't stay close to him so that's very very important guys that even when you go to school because you have to when you learn the things that you do you must know that at the end of it all jesus christ is the is the truth about everything and we're supposed to walk in that way okay so have any of you ever wondered how to seek the face of god have anybody ever wondered here how do you have a personal relationship does anyone know how you have a personal relationship with Jesus? No? Well, how many of you in here have a, a, a prayer life? A life of prayer. Do you guys pray before bed? Did you pray before you uh, uh, go to school in the morning? Do you pray together as a family? Okay, well, you know, with your parents and what they're trying to show you is that without prayer, you know, our prayer is one of the ways that we communicate with God. Okay, so when our prayer life goes dormant or we don't talk to God much, then what ends up happening is, you know, it can be some distance between you and God. You know, just like any relationship that we have. How many of you, you know, when you see your friends in school, that you talk to them every day, you enjoy their company, you have fun with? Well, you see, it's that sort of thing with God and how we communicate with him through prayer. So you see, prayer, I would encourage you guys to pray, you know, before you go to bed, you know, when you're in the morning or even when you're angry or certain things don't feel right. Even when mom and dad get on your nerves, you know, and they may say something that you don't like, that's a good time to pray and come before God. Why? Because God knows you. He made you. So he knows everything that you're feeling inside, everything that you may be dealing with that you don't want to tell your family. So that's important that we have an understanding of that. Also, how many of you uh, read the Bible in here? That's awesome. Does anybody have any favorite stories in particular, like maybe Noah? You guys know about Noah? You know about Joseph and Moses and all those guys? Well, those are great stories. Those are stories that we can't take for granted because, you know, everything that's written in the Bible is meant for our warning. It's meant to teach us something and show us things that we can learn from so that we don't fall into the same traps. Okay, so it's very important that when we seek God, that unless we commune with him, unless we pray before him, unless we spend time with him, 
then our relationship can grow dormant just like any other relationship. I mean, does everyone understand that so far? Yeah? All right, well, um, I'm going to introduce my friend Sarah, that she's going to come up and actually share something with you guys. I think that in many ways she would be um, better and, and actually address you guys with um, a lot of things. So she's going to share something with you guys about how to have a relationship, and um, I think you guys are going to enjoy it, and I think that you should really pay attention to it because, you know, you guys are not that young. I know that you have a lot of youthful lust, and you have fun, and you like games, and you do a lot of different things, but, you know, the enemy himself, which is the devil, he's also trying to get into you guys' minds very early in life. So it's important that you understand that if you walk with Jesus, and you spend time with him, that, you know, you'll have a better run with God. You'll have a better relationship. Okay, so Sarah's going to present something to you guys. She's a good friend of mine. She, um, you know, I remember meeting her about five years ago. I talked to her about Jesus Christ at a time when she was having a rough time, and I was not too long ago saved, but, you know, she's someone that's changed her life. She's someone that the Lord worked through. You know, and um, she'll tell you a little bit about herself and, um, you know, give you guys some understanding on the word. So I'm Derek, and let's hear Sarah, and then we'll go from there. Thank you, Derek, for the introduction. How are you guys doing tonight? Good? Good. You know, it's not too long ago-ish that... I was sitting in y'all's position, obviously not the same church, but in youth group. And I was raised in church my whole life, went to Christian school. Uh, some of you may have heard the testimony before, but if you haven't, then I'm going to hear it again. Because I feel that it's really relevant to tell you what I'm telling you. Now, when I was raised in church growing up, I was raised on the East Coast, North Carolina, the Bible Belt. Churches all over the place. No. And I went to a few different churches growing up. They were all Baptist churches, uh, Christian schools, all Baptist-related related Christian schools. Um, so the Bible, to me, was required reading. I had to read the Bible when I was a young person. And in going to church, looking back on it, I realized something some time ago. And I wanted to dedicate... I wanted to dedicate to you because I wanted to share to you guys what happened to me over the transition of years. And I look back on my life and I realize that as a young person, teenage age, young, you know, little kid and older, that going to church was something that I had to do. Going to Christian school was something I had to do, but it was not something I desired to do. And I did not actually have a real relationship with Jesus Christ until over five years ago. Now, before then, I knew that God was real. I knew that he existed, but I had my own ideas of God. And I just, I stuck with those ideas. I thought, you know what? Everyone worshiped God in their own way. And however they felt that they should worship God, that was okay. You know, I really had no knowledge of the scriptures at all. And so I wanted to live my life. I wanted to live my sinful life and incorporate God and only talk to God when I needed to. 
And then when I actually got saved, and I remembered as a little child, the reason why I had lived that way was because when I was in church, like I said, it was only because I had to be there. There was no desire there. There was no desire to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I understand that some of you in here today, don't, I'm not looking for a raise of hands or anything like that, but there's only there's, there's half of a group of, I want to desire a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then there's another half of the group, which I fell into, which is, as soon as I get out on my own, I'm having nothing more to do with church because it's getting in the way of my fun and the life that I really want to live. And so from that point on, you just, you're going to go through life. And I'm telling you today, if any of you are thinking that way, I hope and pray that you will seek a true relationship with Jesus Christ today. Because we're not promised tomorrow. And if anyone in here knows the difference between right and wrong, not just because your parents telling you it's wrong, because you kind of completely know that what you're doing is wrong, then we all have a sin nature within us. And because of that, if we don't know Jesus Christ in our own heart, the result of that is a life of hell, eternity in hell. But if you do know Jesus Christ and you do have a relationship with him, the awesome news is that you'll have eternity with him, with him in heaven. But I pray that everyone in here makes that choice but I want to give you that testimony. And the reason why I want to give you this testimony is because maybe you think, you know, I've got all the time in the world to make this decision. You know, I'm still young. I still want to live my life. I still want to go out and have fun. And I'm telling you today, I thought the exact same thing, the exact same way as a young person. That as soon as I get out of church, as soon as I'm old enough to move out on my own, that I'm going to go and I'm going to see... What all this fun is that I'm not allowed to have, the partying life, the drinking life, you know, and just going out and, and seeing, you know, having that little bit of bad side to you without being really bad, and all of that, and seeing what it's about, and I'm here to tell you, today leads to death, because had it not been for Jesus Christ saving my life five years ago, I wouldn't be here in front of you today, but all right, I should be dead. To, to tell you the truth because of that, because of the life that I live. But he saved me, and I give him the glory, the honor, the praise for that. And so the title of what I'm going to bring you tonight is called In the Beginning, A Firm Foundation. In the Beginning, God, actually, A Firm Foundation. And the reason why that is so important is because if we have Jesus Christ as our foundation, and we seek him in every decision that we make, then... You may have problems, you may still have troubles in life, but you know that he's your foundation. You know he's the rock that you stand upon. And that's important that you make that decision now. You may think, because I'm a teenager, I, I still got my life to live, why does he need to be my foundation now? Because Satan is getting at you younger and younger and younger today. That's why. You're not too young to accept Jesus Christ. None of you are in your heart. But it can't be just because you're coming to church. It has to be because you desire after you desire your relationship with him. If you let him lead your life, I guarantee you that no matter what troubles come your way, no matter what attacks you come your way, you have a way out. And that is through Jesus Christ. Amen. So from that, I'm going to start in the book of Genesis, chapter 1. You have your Bible. Genesis, chapter 1. Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, 
beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was out form and void, and darkness was the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the water, the light from the darkness. And God called the day, the light day, and the darkness he called night. The evening and the morning was the first day. Now I want to kind of go through these verses here for a few minutes because, yes, this is talking about the earth when it was first born. But you know what? You can also relate to our own lives. And why is that? Because when we are born, when we're being created in the womb, we're just this little vessel. All right? And everything starts to move around, you know, your, your limbs are moving around, your nerves are moving around. These verses again, in this context. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was a form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Before we have Jesus Christ in our life, we live in darkness. That's why I'm down here to make that division too. He stepped in the middle of that. He came down, knowing that he was going to die, down the cross for our sins, which is the ultimate form of love, to be able to give up your own child for a creation that does not even love you, it does not even reverence you, it hasn't reverenced you for thousands of years. Children that don't love you for thousands of years, and what you do, you give your only son in perfection for those dark people. And he came down here and he did this. And that's what we were before the light shined in our life. We were in darkness. And the Spirit of God moves upon the face of the waters. Okay, so you guys know if you study, you were in, I don't know if you've been, if you, any of you have done chemistry or anything like that, but we're actually made up of like 75% of water. So the Holy Spirit moves upon us, okay? And God said, let there be light, and there was light. If we trust and believe in God with the power of his Holy Ghost, light shines on us. We finally see this word in Jesus Christ for who he really is. We finally realize that we need a Savior in our life to take away that darkness. We finally realize, hey, you know what? I you do this on my own. I've been living this way long enough. And some of you may say, well, I've only, you know, I haven't really done all that much wrong. I'm still kind of young. You know, what what bad have I done? Maybe it's not so much the bad that you've done now, but the bad that you might do in your life. You know, because you precious like I do. The decisions that I made. I don't want to see you young folks make the same decisions. If I can stop some of you in here today from going down the same road that I did, then Hey, I'm the Lord's will. Now, you get My nephew, uh, Andrew, who's uh, 22 right now, and he's a lot like I am in many different ways, but when he started going to college, you know, he said, you know, I want to go to church, and I want to serve the Lord, and everything like that. And I told him, I said, just be careful, because as soon as you get out on your own, and you start doing these things, you start going to a secular college, the devil's going to be right there to tell you, Go do these other things. Go party. Go go see what all your friends are having fun doing. And lo and behold, that's what he did. He actually decided to do that. He would tell me all these things. And I finally, I started talking to him because I knew 
I wanted to stop him going down that life. I wanted to stop him in his tracks, not living the same life that I did. And praise the Lord, thank you, Jesus. A year ago, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And he only spent two years in that life, as opposed to the ten years that I did. And that's why we do what we do. Because none of you in here today are too young. There are kids in high school drinking, having sex before marriage. Some of you may even know some kids in your high school who are that way. And I don't want... The reason why I'm giving you this information, the reason why we are giving you this information tonight is to help you to understand a promiscuous life is only going to lead you to a life of destruction. You may think it's funny. You may think, man, you're old. You don't know any kind of fun that we're trying to have here. But I do know. I do know because I was in your shoes at one point, And I thought the exact same thing. 20 years ago, I thought the exact same thing. But man, that's, we just want to have fun. What's a loss of alcohol going to do to somebody? It can turn you into an alcoholic like it did me. What's smoking one cigarette going to do? It'll cause you to smoke for ten and a half years like me. What's having one sexual relationship going to do? Well, <laughs> for you young women, it might cause you to get pregnant, and then what are you going to do? If you do the act of an adult, he better not even look at me. He's going to get uncomfortable. That's the normal response of individuals today. But the normal, but the response of Jesus Christ is individuals today. But the normal, but the response of Jesus Christ is forgive that person, let them go, let what they did go, because they need salvation. All right, so let me continue reading here. He wanted wanted their love, and not as a program response, but as a reasoned act. They chose to rebel against God. Now, when it says here that he wanted their love, not as a program response, but as a reasoned act, he wanted that love because he didn't want to force his love on them. And he didn't want them to say, Lord, I love, out of a, you know, a forced response. He wanted them to love him because it was a natural. It was a natural thing. It was a natural love. Like to say in here today, you have friends. You care about your friends. You have a best friend. Okay, you don't control what time your best friend comes over. You don't control when you guys hang out. You don't control that friendship because that wouldn't be really caring of one another, would it? You want that person to hang out with you or if anyone in here is boyfriend or girlfriend or anything like that. You want that individual to be around you because they choose to, not because... Hey, you're going to come over here and sit by me, and you're going to put your arm around me, and you're going to show everyone in school that you love me. You know, you don't do it that way because that's not how it works. You don't, that's, that person would not love you. They'd be terrified of you. Not love you. They couldn't wait till 3 o'clock to get home. And so that's the kind of love that Jesus Christ doesn't want us to have for him. He gives us a choice. We all have that choice whether we're going to love him or not love him. But how do you relay that to your friends in school? So that way they can understand his love as well. All right. All sin comes under the banner of rebellion against God and his will. As a result of rebellion in Eden, a number of things happened. First, man was estranged from God. I mean separated. That separation is called spiritual death. On its own, the final effect of this world, having been living for ever in a sinful body, eternal separated, eternally separated from God. Now the example here they, they give is a couple of individuals, I'm not sure you know who they are, 
But it says, imagine living with Hitler and Stalin forever. Now, my question is, would be to you, imagine living with someone in your life, in your neighborhood, in your school, that you really don't like forever. That is the sin, that is the sin nature that we've all been given from these bodies, that we have to live with until we expire, until we die. So that's what that is saying. Imagine living in an incorruptible, sinful state for eternity, but something else happened. Romans 5.12 tells us that as a result of man's action came sin, and as a result of sin came death. But not just spiritual death, as some theologians claim. To confirm this, one needs to read 1 Corinthians 13.20. So real quick, I want us to go to Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. Romans 5 and 12. So Romans 5 12 reads, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned, after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him who is to come. So when it says this, this sinful nature is something we inherit. We inherit this sinful nature. Why? Because Adam was given dominion over the earth. And when he sinned against God, now Adam and Eve are our parents. We're all related to Adam and Eve. So because of that, we inherit that sin nature. It's a part of our genetic makeup. Some people may say, well, I didn't do anything wrong. Why do I have to die? Why do I have to go to hell if I don't believe in Jesus Christ? Because the sin nature is already inside of us. There's nothing we can do about that. We are born with it. We have the sin nature just like the color of our hair, the color of our skin, the kind of teeth that we're going to have. That sin nature is just as well there. And we can tell it's within us. Because any decision that we make that's not obeying our parents or is not doing the right thing is sin. Any decision that we make that goes against God is sin. You may think thoughts against somebody and you may say, well, it's only in my head. If I didn't speak it, it doesn't mean that it's wrong. Bible says if you even look upon a woman and to lust after her, it means you've committed the act of adultery already. So in other words, I'm not saying any of you in here have done that. That's not what I'm saying. But what it means is if you think the thought in your head, you have already done it. You have already committed the act. That is sin. And that's why we, that's why we need Jesus Christ to take away those sinful thoughts out of our minds. That's why he's here. But he's letting us know through his word what sin is actually, you know, what it is, so that way we don't do this anymore. We don't live that way anymore. Alright? But let me keep reading here. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God, and the gift of grace, which is by one man, from Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. But the free gift 
is of many offenses unto justification. So Jesus Christ came down here and died on the cross to give us that free gift. Free gift. So our sins would be justified. The many sins that we've already committed or that we will commit can be canceled in the justification of Jesus Christ. But it's willing to believe in him that this will happen. Okay, verse 17. For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in one in life by one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto the justification of life. So it continuously says one here because by one man's sin, death entered into the world. But by one man upon the Jesus upon the cross, Jesus Christ, that sin can be canceled. It can. We don't have to live that life anymore. You're able to go to school and tell your friends, hey, guess what? Let me talk to you about Jesus Christ. And you can give them the answers as to why. So that way they will want to do the same thing. Verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by, by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law hindered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded more abundantly, more abound. That, that as sin hath reigned into, unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So we're seeing this here. And why, why is this so important that we see this? Why is it so important that we understand that sin nature that entered into the world. Why is it so important that we understand the foundation, having Jesus Christ as our foundation in our life, even at your young age? Why is that so important? And the answer is, is like I said already, Satan is trying to get at you guys at a young age. He doesn't want you to listen to this message right now. He's hoping that you'll think, man, as soon as this is over, I'm going to go home and I'm going to watch TV and I'm going to have a great time and then I'm not going to have to worry about what that old lady set up sit up there, you know, before us tonight. And I thought the same thing when I was you guys. You know, I just sat in the crowd and man, I was off in outer space thinking of other things when I was your age. Didn't think there was anything important to it. So I hope that you guys listen to this message tonight. So anyways, I'm going to keep reading here. Why did God send death? Three acts of death should be considered carefully. God, as a righteous judge, cannot look upon sin. Because of his very nature and the warning he gave to Adam, God had to judge sin. He had warned Adam that if he ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. The curse of death placed upon the world was, and is, a just and righteous judgment from God, who is the judge. Now some people today may say, well, God really loved me. Why doesn't he just let me enter into heaven the way I am? You know, why do I have to believe in Jesus Christ and do all these, you know, religious acts and do all this and do all that? Well, if we truly have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we can tell those individuals, it's not about a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's actually about changing your mindset as to how you want to live your life. It's a moral aspect change. Like for me, I'll take myself, for instance. When I thought I believed in Jesus Christ and I was living in the world, 
I knew that God existed, like I said before, but I didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And many people today can say the same thing. They say, oh yeah, I believe in God. I'll go to church. And that's all there is to it. But they don't actually have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I didn't either. And I thought to myself the same thing. Well, if God loved me, he didn't just let me enter into heaven. I thought I was going to heaven for a long time. And for a long time, I was very deceived because of the life that I was living. Being an alcoholic, you know, saying foul language, cursing, and saying a whole bunch of other stuff. You know, the, the relationships that I had that were outside of marriage before I actually, you know, gave my life to Jesus. All those kind of things. And I tried to incorporate God with that. I tried to say, well, God, why don't you come down and... And just, you know, let me enjoy my life, and you just stay up there and do whatever you're doing, and I'll just come to you when I need to, when, you know, I don't have any money in the bank, or, you know, I need new tires for my car, or something like that. I'll just, that's when I'll call upon you. But outside of that, just let me live my life. I know you're there. That's good enough. Well, it wasn't good enough. Because had I died in that state that I was in, I wouldn't have been able to go to heaven one day. I would have spent eternity in hell. Because I tried to make God by my standards, not what his word says. And when I truly got saved, and my eyes were actually open to what his word said, I wanted to change. I desired to want to change my life. But the desire had to be there first for me to want to change. And that goes for each and every one of you in here today. There has to actually be a desire to want to change, to live that life for him. And you may say, I'm not living, I'm not being an alcoholic. I don't smoke cigarettes. I've never had a sexual relationship. I've never done any of that. But we still have a signature. Because there's a very good possibility that in your future, you could do that. Or you could do something worse. And if you're governed by Jesus Christ, those decisions, those temptations that will come your way, if they have not already, you won't have to make them. And you will actually be able to tell those people out there who are tempting you to live that life, you can tell them, hey, look, you don't have to go that way. You don't have to be a drug dealer anymore. You don't have to be a prostitute or a pimp or anything like that anymore. I can tell you why. I can tell you that Jesus Christ can take you from that life. All right, so let me keep reading here. Number two. Oh, I know. No, let, uh, let me just read on here. Number two. On the aspects of man's rebellion was separation from God. The loss of a loved one through death shows the sadness of the separation between those left behind and those who has departed this world. When we consider how sad it is when a loved one dies, it should remind us of the terrible consequences of sin that separated Adam from the perfect relationship he had with God. This separation involved all mankind, because Adam sinned as a representative of all. So some individuals, I don't know if any of you in here today have suffered the loss of a loved one. If you have, I'm deeply sorry for that. But like it says to you, we should think about how man, when he sinned, caused that separation. Now, if individuals believed in Jesus Christ, they'll go with him to be with him in heaven. And then, unfortunately, there's the reverse of that. But hopefully, if you in here today are listening, if you believe in Jesus Christ, when you die, you won't have to worry about it. You won't have to worry about where you go when you die. Number three, another aspect of death, of death, which many people miss, is that God sent death because he loved us so much. Now, some people may say, why would God send death if he actually loved us? 
I mean, I don't want to die. I'm still young. I still got my life to live. You know, many of you in here today, you don't suffer with back problems like I do or anything else. Like, you're still pretty healthy. You're playing sports. You're doing a whole bunch of things. You may say, why would I want to die? How does that love? How does that actually love? God gives love, and as strange as it may sound, we should really praise him for that curse he placed on us. It was not God's will that man be cut off from him for eternity. Imagine living in a sinful state for eternity, separated from God. But he loved us so much that he, and he, for that, and he did a very wonderful thing. In placing on us the curse of a physical death, he provided a way to redeem man back to himself in the person Jesus Christ. He suffered that curse on the cross for us. He tasted death for every man. Hebrews 2, 9. By himself becoming the perfect sacrifice for our sin of rebellion, he conquered death. He took the penalty which should rightly have been ours at the hands of a righteous judge and bore it in his own body on the cross. So in other words, if we live the life for Jesus Christ, we have him as our firm foundation. If we die, if we die even at a young age, like I said earlier, this is so true, and I want this to ring in every one of your ears. We are not promised tomorrow. I'm not, Derek's not, Anna's not, none of you are. Believe in Jesus Christ today and make him your firm foundation in this life. Every one of us in here tonight know the right decisions to make. We know the wrong decisions that we make. And the right decision is Jesus Christ. It truly is Jesus Christ. There's a few other things in here I can read, but I'm not going to read them to you. And the reason why is just because I'm telling you guys tonight how important it is to have Jesus Christ in your life. Make him your firm foundation now. So that way you're not going to live 10, 15, 20 years of, of misery by making the wrong choices like I did and some other people did. You know, if you make that choice to, to let him reign in your life, if you make that choice to let him rule in your life, then you're going to have a very important relationship with him. I do, however, want to read Genesis chapter 3, a few verses here. Some of you may know this story already, and you may think, oh, it's not important. But it is very important. Okay, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God hath made. And said, unto him, and said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree in the garden, but of the, tree of the, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Now some of you in here today may say, well, I know this story. I've heard it so many times. Why is it important that we hear this story again? Because Satan may be doing the very exact same thing to you in your lives. He may be tempting you with some fruit that the Lord Jesus does not want you to touch. And he might be tempting you more and more and more every day. Some of you in here may know exactly what I'm talking about. There's a simple fruit in your life that the Lord's trying to pull you away from. And he's trying to tell you, don't do it. 
Don't touch that. Don't go that way. Don't listen to Satan. He's just trying to deceive you. He's trying to make your life harder than it already has to be. And if you listen to the voice of Satan, I'm telling you, you're going to live many years in misery. Many years in sadness. You may not think that now, but it will happen. And that's what happened to me. That's why I'm telling you young people tonight, don't be just like I did. Don't just sit here and listen to this message. Don't let it go in one ear and write out the other. And just go about living your life thinking, man, I don't need that. I don't need church. I don't need Jesus Christ in my life. All I want to do is live and have fun. But I'm telling you, if you give your life to Jesus, let him be your firm foundation. Make that choice in your life tonight, either here or when you get home. Then, you know what, your decisions, your life might be hard. You will have them as you walk, and he will get you through this life. So trust in him tonight. Thank you. So I guess um, you know, it's brought to my attention that we're going to have like a brief questions and answers before you guys go and um, enjoy your time here for Christmas and all. So, um, so does anyone have any questions? Is there anything they don't understand or anything they want us to elaborate on? Feel free. You know, you're not going to um, bother us by it because we want you guys to have understanding of this. So. Is there anything that you guys may have uh, questions about maybe in school, maybe in, you know, what was mentioned tonight or anything like that? You know? Yeah. I have a question from, like, Tyler Yeah, what's your name? Sorry. Daniela. Daniela, okay. So, like, when God, like, gave Adam and Eve, like, a choice, mm -hmm. like, and then he said that, I'm not sure if he said, like, like, he doesn't want to, like, look like, misery and, like, pain, mm -hmm. then how come he gave us, like, well, um, yeah, the thing with that is, is that, you know, in order for us at times to know what's good, we've got to know what's evil, too, you know, and um, God is a good God, and I think what Sarah was trying to explain tonight is that when God loves us, he's got to give you a choice. You know, God is good, he's made everything good, but one thing God doesn't want to do is, he doesn't want robots, he wants us to love him and come to him willfully so he gave them a choice to choose good or evil because of the fact that anything outside of god is evil does that make sense and god is good so god loves us and if you love someone you've got to give them a free will you've got to give them the ability to choose it's just like i could say i love someone in here and i want to hang on to them and hold them and i don't want them to look out the window i don't want them to look at anyone else i just want them to pay attention to me then that would make me evil if I controlled your life. But you see, God is good in his love that he told them to stay with the tree of life. He said that if they would do what was right and stay with the tree, that they would live. But if they chose the tree of knowledge of good and evil, then they would die. Okay, so he gave them the wisdom and the knowledge to understand right from wrong, but he had to leave the free will up to them. So, yeah, I know a lot of us would think, man, it would be so easy if God, if we just decided to go wrong, and God just checked us and took us. But how much do you think we would like God if he didn't give us the freedom to choose? You know, eventually in our nature, we would try and get away from God or, you know, feel like he's controlling. So God is a very strong hand, but he has a gentle touch. And he tries to tell you and I everything that we need to know. 
so that we won't choose those things that are bad. But if you love someone, you give them a free will to choose. So that's why... Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.